the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. Steve Teal, Very Bold Radio and Podcast. Man, I am going to have the best time. Uh, talking to Rocco Grimaldi. Rocco, first, before I start telling people about what you did this summer and uh, some of the things going on with your hockey career, an amazing, amazing tournament, the World Championship. How are you doing today? What's going on? I'm good. It's good to be back with you. It's been a while since we've done one of these, probably a couple of years, maybe. Dang, that's I, I messed know, up. It's for sure been at least a year. I'm not sure how long, but it's been a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm good. Just kind of enjoying some time off. To be honest, I'm pretty bored. I don't, I don't really like taking time off, so I'm kind of just just chilling around the house, not really doing much, just hoping my hockey gear gets here soon because they had to ship it back from from Europe, so should be here this week, so I'm kind of kind of bored without it right now. So just, just hanging out, trying to get some rest. It's the perfect time for me to get you on an interview then because you're bored. And uh, I mean, how many times in the last year or so I probably have asked like, Hey, can we do an interview? And you're like, no, I'm too busy. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I'm pretty sure you're still at the uh, top of the leaderboard uh, for most appearances on very bold radio and podcasts. There's, there's no way you're not. Um, Yeah. The the friendship discount. The friendship discount. (laughs) Well, I really appreciate it. This is the, First time to get to do like video face to face. I know we've done we've done one interview in studio. I think in person. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and then most of them are just by phone. So it's pretty awesome to have your face, uh, your uh, your beautiful face, man, your handsome face, a scruffy bearded face. Yeah, <laughs> so that a- and you're lazy and bored. You can see it. So that wasn't like a world hockey championship beard or anything. No, this is the, I'm just being lazy. <laughs> I'm being lazy. What does Abby think about this uh, being lazy beard? I don't think she likes it very much, but she already signed up. So <laughs> it's all right. I'm, I'm good. I'm set. You already signed up. <laughs> you got that locked in. So how, many, in, how, so how many years have you guys been married before we talk about hockey? Uh, next month will be seven. That's crazy to me seven years yeah next month what's what's the date on the anniversary july 9th okay all right hey she got to go to finland for part of the world hockey championships yeah no that was great she got uh i think she trying to remember i think she got there between games four and five i believe okay um so she got to see i think i think she missed the four games and they got to see five so she had to see basically the half of it or whatever okay That that was pretty cool yeah, for her. she's never seen me play games overseas before. That was the first. So she's never seen me play with the USA jersey on minus whatever ten years ago on TV. Right. 
so she's never seen that live um so that was pretty cool yeah that is that is really cool so she came in about like the france game maybe it was right before uh or sweden no she saw both of those there's one more game before Austria? Denmark, i believe was her first one i think denmark was the fifth game we played oh crud i don't have denmark on my uh stat sheet <laughs> between austria and denmark i believe man yeah. how do i not have denmark what not prepared I am not prepared. You know why? Because somebody wanted to move the interview up. No, just kidding. I just I messed this up last night. So Denmark, what did you do? Because I, I literally have every other game in front of me. So that must have been, yeah, wow, that's crazy. Um, did you get a goal or assist in that game? I had an empty net goal and, and one assist. We won 3-0. Okay. Yeah. I think it was 0-0 in the third, maybe. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah, and then we we scored one kind of early on and then – we scored one with five minutes left to make it two nothing. Then I scored an empty net with like a minute or something. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it. Yeah. Got to fire my research department and <clears throat> start over. All right. Let's talk about uh, the men's world championship. I've got to talk. I've got to brag about you because I know you're not going to. So um, I am, I'm taking the reins on this. I want to tell our listeners and our viewers, the men's world hockey championship this year was in Finland and Latvia. Um, originally it was going to be in Russia. Is that right? Maybe. Correct. Yep. Okay. All right. So this is an annual world championship tournament, right? Yep. Okay. So the USA uh, participates and just want to tell my people, here's the deal about um, the accomplishment. One of the accomplishments that Rocco had during this tournament. So during this tournament history, going back for the USA, 1949, a hockey player named Bruce Mather, um, led the world in points for the World Hockey Championship Tournament. And that was the first American. And since then, there have only been three Americans that have led in points. That's goals and assists together, for those of you that aren't hockey fans, um, that have led the World Hockey Championships. 1963, a guy named Marshall. I don't know how to say his last name, man. It might be Tashida, Tashida. He was 1963, a five-way tie for the leader in points for the World Hockey Championships. So this does not happen very often. And then 2008. So that's a span of what, 37, 55 years? Wow, 55 years. Patrick Kane, hockey fans, you know Patrick Kane. He is, man, where does he rank among American hockey players? Could be number one. He's he's up there for sure. Yeah, he could be, right? I mean, he was the youngest American to sure. reach. Is he really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. 2018 was the last time an American led the World Hockey Championship with the most points, and that was Patrick Kane. Um, And now, 2023, baby, Rocco Grimaldi leads the World Hockey Championship in points. Come on. you know, (laughs) I am so fired up. I mean, you had 14 points, right? Do I have that right? I didn't have my Denmark yeah. stats on here. 14 yeah. points. The next highest was 12. And uh, somewhere in my research, I've got some of those players that were next up, um, NHL players from Germany and uh, I think the Czech, uh, Czech Republic, um, 14 points. And in typical Grimaldi fashion, I mean, so Grimaldi-like, seven goals, seven assists. 
That is so you. I mean, it's not like uh, 10 goals, four assists. It's not like 12 assists and two goals. It is you. You're a playmaker, but you're a scorer. Some of those goals and some of those assists were just amazing. So I'm going to I'm gonna walk you through some of them. I'm going to ask you about some of them if you can remember them. Um, and that's not even including the, uh, the goal in – you had an exhibition game against Germany, um, which you had an incredible goal. Um, and I, I put together for myself like a video highlight reel. I don't even have that one on there. Um, just an incredible tournament. So I want to just say one last thing before we just talk about some of this uh, accomplishment. Um, and also you made the all-tournament team, which was uh, obviously made a lot of sense that you leading the uh, the world in points would make that. But for people who don't know, and you can break it down better than me, but just looking at the roster we're talking about the USA had 14 NHL um, players that played on NHL teams this past season, eight AHL players this year, and then three um, college players is what I, I counted. So this is a, um, I mean, obviously we know where I stand. Rocco is an NHL player, but this last year you uh, played for San Diego most of the year before playing for the Rockford Icehawks, and you wound up uh, among the top leaders in points there and also very evenly distributed. Looks like 33 goals on the year. Does that sound right? Yep. 27-6 and 40 assists, more than one point a game for the goals and the Icehogs. And then here in this tournament, these 14 points that we're talking about, 10 games, 10 games in 17 days. That's crazy. Man, <laughs> yeah, when's the last time you played that many games? Yeah. Um, I think during that COVID year, probably played that many games because we were okay. playing like it was game – Day off, game, day off, game, day. It was literally every other day we were playing a game, it seemed. So yeah. um, you get used to it after a while, I guess. So we try to take care of your body as, as best as possible. So things like this happen. It's ready to go, especially by the end of the tournament when guys start slowing down. Hopefully you're either getting better or at least, you know, staying the same and, and not uh, feeling worse as the tournament goes on. You do such a great job of taking care of your body and just all that awareness. When you look at the end of the tournament and you, where were you? Like, would you say you were still at a hundred percent? Are you down to like 95%? Um, what would you kind of assess those at the end of 10 games in 17 days for you? Um, I definitely wouldn't say I was a hundred percent. I was playing through a few different things for sure. Um, just, had a couple of issues throughout the year that were just kind of just lingered the whole year. But thankfully I, I didn't miss one game this whole year. I didn't miss a game for injury, for sickness, for anything. I mean, technically if you want to say I missed a game, I missed a game when I got traded. So, you know, in the midst of the traveling, like I missed a game. So I don't consider that missing a game because there's nothing I could have done about that. Right. Um, but I think total with preseason, with this tournament, with regular season playoffs, everything, I think I played 90 games. Wow. Um, yeah, 90 games and whatever that is, nine months or eight, nine months, something like that. So, I mean, it was a, it was a full year. It was great. Anytime you can play a full season is, is remarkable. It's, it's a blessing, honestly. Um, you know, things just kind of have to fall perfectly for you. Um, and that did for me this year. It was great. Didn't miss any games, had little things, but um, things that you can play with and get used to, I guess. 
Yeah. Um, so by the end of the tournament, I was obviously tired and exhausted, you know, physically and mentally. It's just, like I said, it's been long. 90 games is a lot. Um, but then add in living in the hotel for the last two months of the season in Rockford because I got traded. So you live in a hotel and then go to the Worlds. And that's another three weeks in a hotel. And then, you know, we went on a, a one week thing after a little vacation. And that's oh, you know, basically three straight months of me living in a hotel. So, I mean, that people don't realize, but that weighs in on you too, having to eat out every meal because I don't, I hate doing that. I like eating at home and having my own routine, but can't really do that when you're in a hotel. So yeah. there's a lot of things that kind of translate to you being physically and mentally kind of exhausted and tired. But like I said, I've I don't know, been off for maybe a, two weeks or so. I don't even know how long it's been. We were in England for a week and then now I think we've been home for a week. So a couple of weeks and I'm already bored and want to <laughs> do stuff. Um, so yeah, like I said, I'm just waiting for my gear to get shipped back. It should be here this week, ready for next season already. A couple of years ago when you were bored, um, you read the Bible. What was it like? 23 days or 21 days or something crazy 23 yeah okay the bible yeah the whole bible yeah that was during that was during covid yeah i think that was april of covid 2020 yeah yeah that's amazing so the good thing is for you i mean like when you're you're bored you wind up creating something really productive and really good i mean i try to um i I guess I would say there, there's not many people, I mean, players, but, you know, people in general that finish a game, have a good game, you know, whatever, are thinking about one play that you could have scored on or one play that could have been different. And you sit there and wonder if that was the one that lost you the game. And that's that was me after the Germany game. Um, the semifinal, I had a good game and, yeah, you and did. scored and did whatever, but. Uh, there was a play late in the game and I had an opportunity from the same spot that I had scored in, in the first and the goalie made a save, like credit him. He did his job. Uh, and I went home and instead of being like, Oh, I did my job. I whatever scored and whatever. I went home and I, I, I think it was you. Yeah, it was you. I had you send me the clip cause you had it taped on your TV and I had to watch it five or six times and slow it down and kind of scroll. And, and then I screenshotted the, where I was on the ice and I looked at it and I kept looking at it and trying to figure out where the goalie was. And we just, there's not many people that do that. Um, right. <laughs> not many people that are like me, I guess. I mean, that's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. You can kind of be obsessive about things, but I don't think I would be where I am today or be who I am today without kind of being that a bit obsessive or perfectionist, whatever you want to call it. So in, in the summer, that's kind of, that's a lot of what I do. It's obsessing over things. And I think it was, I think it was Connor McGregor who said it. I actually really liked the way he said it. He basically said like, if you're not obsessed with this game, or you're not a, whatever addicted, obsessed, whatever the word yeah. you use to this game, then what are you doing it for? Um, and I don't know. I thought that was kind of a cool way of looking at it. Um, obviously there's other things in my life that are more important, of course, but I just feel like if this is what I'm going to do, then I might as well be all in. And yeah, you know, that means obsessing over things, then okay, if that makes me better, then great. If I'm obsessing too far and it's hindering me, then that's a problem. But I feel like I got a good line. I have a good boundary. So, um, yeah, this the summer, this boredom time is a time when I look at video stuff. I think about stuff. I watch other guys a lot, mostly. I don't even watch my stuff as much. I mostly watch other guys. I see what they're doing. I see how they're successful. Try to incorporate it in my game. Um yeah, it works for the most part, I guess. 
Um, man, I have so many questions based off of what you said, and I'll probably remember two of them, but, uh, who are the guys that you're studying right now that you'd like to emulate or pick up moves and things? And then I want to go back to that, um, obsessing in Germany and everything. Yeah. I mean, I, obviously everyone loves, I call them the, the, the three M's, the big M's you got your McDavid, your Matthews, um, McKinnon like those three guys are obviously fun to watch and um but it's hard to try to look at their game and compare it to yours because they're just they're just different like they're not they're essentially not human beings it seems like they're almost (laughs) like they're robotic um just with how good they are so uh watching them is just trying to learn some things but obviously you're not going to try to pick up a lot of things because they're just so different um for guys that I try to emulate more just because the style of play is a bit more similar. I would say um, there's a guy in Vegas who's, who's killing it right now in the playoffs, Mars show. I really like watching his game, uh, Braden point in Tampa Bay. Like I like watching what he does Barzell in New York, like his game. And then Marshan in Boston, just kind of guys that are obviously three of them are righty. So that helps a lot. Yeah. Um, most of them are, they're not my small, but they're undersized, I guess, by the world standards. Um, yeah. But they play, they play hard. They play kind of in your face. They're around the net. They they have a good scoring touch. They can make good plays. So I, I enjoy watching the way that they use their speed and their skills and their smarts and um, just see how they're scoring goals. I mean, <clears throat> like I said, Marcia Show, I think he's got like 13 goals in the playoffs. So guys wow. who can score in the playoffs are obviously more valuable than even those who can score in the regular season. And that's what point has done in the last few years. I think he's got like, I don't know, 30 or 40 goals in the playoffs last few years or something. So you try to learn from the guys who have the most success, especially in the biggest moments. Um, yeah. And those are a couple few guys that I enjoy watching and trying to learn from. Yeah, man. Speaking of, you know, playoff <laughs> success, that is something that I've seen you do in your career, including your time in Nashville uh, with the Predators uh, during that da- Dallas series a few years back when um, the Preds lost. But and I know you'll say I'm biased and fine, but you can, as I've said, you can be biased and correct at the same time. But it was not just me that said during that playoff series that you were the best Nashville Predator on the ice for that series. And there was really no bigger moment for the Preds than that. And you came away with points and goals and assists and made a huge difference for the Predators or that series would have it looked like it would have been pretty ugly without you. Well, thanks. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, that, that was really my first real experience of NHL playoff hockey. So I played two games like five years before that. And it's kind of like you play two games and you're out. You're not really part of it. You're kind of just in and out. Um, but that one was like I was it was like my real first experience. And that's something you dream of is playing NHL playoff hockey, yeah. competing for the cup. That's that's what you dream of as a kid. Like, it's great to play in the NHL in the regular season, but you you don't really go in the backyard as a kid, pretend you're whoever on whatever team and say like, Oh, I'm playing in game 46 of the regular season. That's just not how it works. It's always yeah. it's game seven. It's whatever playoff round up. Usually it's the Stanley cup final, but of course you got to build there. Um, yeah. But I don't know. That was a fun, that was a fun experience. I didn't play game one, got inserted in game two about five hours before I was letting know that I was going to play. So I was exciting. I was just getting back from broken rib. I was out for three, four weeks. So That's I hadn't right. played in a long time either. So that was exciting. Like I'm playing again. Um, but yeah, obviously my, you know, I just, just finished my ninth season and I haven't played much playoff hockey, which is kind of frustrating to me. 
um, at whatever level I've been at, it's just been kind of weird. I've been to the second round once and that was last year and in nine years. And it's kind of surprising because I've been on good teams and it's hard to win. Like our sport is just so unique compared to just every sport. It's just from teams one to 32, there's so many, there's not as big of a discrepancy as in other sports. You know, it's like anyone can win at any given moment, especially in a playoff series. Now when you've got seven games to decide it, it's just, it's hard. It's hard to win. Um, I mean, you see this year, you know, Florida's taken down, I guess probably the three best teams in the East and now they're where they're at and they got in the playoffs by one point. I mean, it's just like, Anyone, anyone could beat anyone at any given moment. Uh, there's so many good teams, and sometimes people don't realize. Well, maybe that team only squeezed in because maybe they had a lot of injuries or things. Just they had a tough streak in November or whatever. But that doesn't actually tell you who that team is in April, in May, and June. So um, that's something that I would like to fix and clean up in my career is to have deep playoff runs and obviously to win. Yeah. Well, it just seems like, as I've said before, and I will say again, I mean, anytime just the, a team gives you the opportunity, you have proven when given the opportunity, you are a clutch, clutch player and you're a playmaker. And there's really, I mean, this evidence right here in the world championship is pretty good. I mean, that's a big stage. You're playing for your country and you come through with 14 points, 10 games and lead the USA um, to a, a deep, deep playoff run. I know it didn't turn out like um, you guys were hoping or we were hoping, but you, you know, you swept the pr- preliminary group and that group was to me, I, I'm not a, a hockey expert like you are, but it was stacked. Yeah, it was a good group. I mean, that's obviously we didn't, you know, win. And that's the one reason you want to go in that tournament and play, but um, we're the first American team in history to go undefeated and the round robin. So, I mean, that's something that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were eight and zero going to the semifinals and then the only two games we lost, we lost in overtime and it wasn't your typical right. fashion, normal five on five overtime. It was three on three overtime. Right. Um, which to me is frustrating because you don't ever want to lose a game in a three on three overtime or a shootout. You don't, you don't even want to win a game in that way. Like you okay. want to win when it's five on five, when it's normal, real hockey, you know, you don't want to take guys away or, let it go down to the shootout. But unfortunately that's what the rules are. And we lost both the two games that we lost. They both were in, in three on three overtime. So yeah, <laughs> um, it's pretty remarkable what we did though. Like, I mean, we played Finland who was the host and the defending champs Yeah, game one, beat them. Um, we beat a, a good Sweden team. And in, in overtime, we uh, Denmark was a really solid team. Germany was a really good team. Like there, there was, I mean, there was a lot of good, good teams in our group, which was, which was yeah. great. We beat the checks from the other group in the quarterfinals and they were a really good team as well. So we beat really good teams. Um, but like I said, in these tournaments, you just never know anyone can beat anyone. And, you know, went down to the last four teams that probably no one would have thought that, you know, three of us would have been involved. I'm sure everyone thought Canada, but mm-hmm. I doubt anyone would have thought Germany, Latvia or us probably would have been in it. Maybe some would say us, but that's just the way it goes in hockey. There's a lot of good teams and just depends on who's got the better day that one day. Right. Well, um, man, again, you're opening up my mind to like hundreds of questions, but, uh, and I'm trying to remember some of them for later as well, Rocco, but uh, talk to me even just about the process of how you got selected, chosen for this. And, you know, as I look at it from the outside, you know, obviously I'm a guy who's in your corner and just love seeing, um, 
you know, the opportunity for you to prove yourself yet again, it seems like it's been something in your career, you've had more opportunities than necessary to prove yourself and you do it again and again. Um, but looking at it, you know, I know you wanted to take uh, last year Milwaukee to the AHL Cup and you wanted to take Rockford to the AHL Cup. But uh, and I got to see that, you know, the end of that series against uh, the Texas Stars. But if you had kept winning, you probably also would not have been playing for Team USA. So it's just interesting from my perspective to see I was so disappointed, like, oh, man, you know, he's not going to win the AHL, the Calder Cup. And then uh, but then all of a sudden you're going to Finland and doing what you did there. So how did this opportunity even happen for you? And then I want to ask you about getting to be on the top line, reunited with Nick Benino and getting to play with uh, Alex Tooks too man that was huge yeah i mean i'd say probably a few weeks before the tournament um there was interest that you know potentially i could be selected to you know play for that team obviously it depends on your schedule and your team you know if guys lose out early it gives them a better chance to go if guys are you know keep playing on then obviously someone else is gonna have to take your spot so um I knew it was a possibility a few weeks before the season was over. Wasn't thinking about it. I was like, Oh, that's cool. You know, if it, if, you know, if it happens or I need it, that's great. Um, but I was more focused on where I was. I was in Rockford. Uh, we weren't even in a playoff spot. We were, we were in a playoff that's spot right. the battle to the very last day. Yeah. Um, I think the season finished. Iowa had 77. We had 77 and Chicago had 76. So there's three teams within a point. So we squeezed in by a point. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wasn't focused on the worlds. I just knew that, you know, that was in my back pocket. If, if it happened, great. I didn't want to have to use it. Cause I obviously, that meant we were winning and going deep and making a run. Um, you know, unfortunately we lost to Texas in the first round. And um, I guess looking at it now, the timing was kind of perfect because in the moment it ended, we went back to Rockford, packed up, drove home, and then flew to Germany the next day. I was basically within two or three days. I was, I was crazy. Off. Um, and I remember the next day after we had lost the GM texted me and said, Hey, are you still interested in, um, interested in coming to worlds? And said, yeah, of course. So now when you're getting on the plane, you're frustrated because the night before you just lost your season's over. Now I got to make a switch. It's like, Hey, you got to put the frustration in the past. Now that season's over. Now it's a new thing starting. Now it's like, I got to get my head back and, my my season's not done technically. I got more hockey ahead of me. So it's it's a unique switch because I've never had to do that before. Yeah. Usually you lose and it's just like, oh, it's you know, a few days of just kind of being sad or whatever. But this one was like, okay, I gotta put it behind me because now I gotta play more hockey. Um, yeah. Yeah. Packed, went home, grabbed my stuff, woke up the next I think I was home for 12 hours, got home at 9 p.m. Wow. left at 9 a.m. <laughs> so um unpacked one, packed another one. Yeah, real quick, parenthetically, let me ask you, like, it feels like a lot of guys would be after the grind of all those games, 80 plus games or whatever, feels like a lot of guys would be like, no, thanks. You know, I don't want to fly over and go play, you know, 12 hours after, you know, all this other stuff. So what was it? What is it about you that you're like, yeah, let's go. I think there was a couple of things. Obviously, I, you know, I played for the U.S. national team growing up, you know, between yeah. 16 to 18 years old, I played there for two years. And it's it's unique because you're playing for Team USA, not just a tournament here or there. It's like the entire season, two seasons, you're wearing Team USA in practice, in games. It's just like you are on Team USA. Um, and then I played with them again in 2013, the U-20s. 
and hadn't played since then. And wow. so it's like you have this time of you, you play so much for Team USA. It's almost feels like it's routine or it just becomes normal to having this 10 year hiatus where you've never even wear the Jersey at all. Mm. Um, and you realize, wow, maybe I took it for granted. Maybe I didn't. And obviously I gave it my best and had a lot of success with them. And it was awesome. But right. when you 10 years go by, you think, man, maybe I thought that was just kind of forever. And yeah. now yeah. you're like, it's not. Um, so it's just such an honor to be able to wear that Jersey. 10 years is a long time, especially after you wore it for two full years in a row. And then, uh, another tournament basically the year after that and so that was a big reason I wanted to go was to play for my country to be able to put those you know colors back on have that mm. logo on my sweater it's just it's like the coolest thing you can do it's it's pretty amazing so uh, that was one reason and another reason is just in my situation it was another opportunity for me to play games hope to get exposure hope to do it on an even, I guess, bigger level um, with a lot of, you know, NHL guys, a lot of good players and right. um, hope to get a job somewhere for next year, kind of put your name back out there and um, use it as a stepping stone. And yeah, unfortunately we didn't, uh, we didn't win and that's number one priority, but sure. You know, hopefully it'll, hopefully at least some good will come out of it. And this will lead me back into, you know, playing in the NHL, which is, you know, my goal every year it's my goal. So Right. Um, hopefully this is a stepping stone back into that and this will you know, have some good that came out of it. Yeah, it's it's got to. I mean, it would just be crazy if it if it isn't, although I've seen some crazy things in your career. Um, I think you still uh, I didn't check this with my research department, but for the Nashville Predators, as far as I remember, you're either still hold the record for most goals in the game uh, or tied with four. Is that sound about right? Yeah, I think there's three of us. Yeah. Three of okay. Um just so people, you know, if you just Google uh or go to YouTube and look up Rocco Grimaldi and put in Spinorama goal or uh four goals uh for the Predators, you're gonna you're gonna see um just this guy has done some amazing, amazing things in his hockey career. So then to see you do it for Team USA and uh now that you put it that way, since I've seen highlights of you from ten years ago, as uh, really makes it just that much more special to get to watch, you know, now um, and see what you did with Team USA. So it's amazing. It had better lead to an opportunity. It had better lead to just uh, any hockey team that has seen you or known you or played against you. It's it's just obvious what you bring as a playmaker, but also you're a guy who you think skills, but you grind and you work hard and you, you hit, I mean, you do all those things that you think of as a hockey player. You're so much more than just a skills guy, which everybody wants a skills guy, but you do it all and all the hustle and the vision that you have. And again, just going back to seven goals, seven assists. I mean, you, you do it all. And uh, I mean, you kill penalties. You're great on the power play. You had that uh, power play goal. Uh, when was that? When was that uh, at the yeah, end the there? Game. Yeah. Against, Oh man, that was uh, one timer. That was beautiful. Huh? I love that. I love <laughs> that. All right. We may talk about that, but um uh, so talk to me about you get over there. Team USA has already been practicing some. So me not understanding how everything works, you know, I could think, okay, well, Rocco's going to go over there. 
they've already been practicing together. Maybe they already have some chemistry going. So, you know, he's going to, they're going to put him on the fourth line. They're going to put him here or there. You go over what happens. Do they right away know, hey, we're going to put you with, uh, uh, you know, the top line or how does it work? Walk us through it. <clears throat> so thankfully, they'd only been there for one day. They left oh, okay. the day before I did. Um, they were trying to get me to New York to fly with them, but I had to drive my stuff home since I was in a hotel in Rockford. So they were nice enough to to let me take the day, I guess, to to drive my stuff home at least. Yeah. Drive eight, drive eight hours, drop my stuff off, pack a new bag, and get on my own flight the next day. But um, So that was good. It's not like you came in four or five days late. Okay. That would have been a little tougher. It was only one day. And, uh, you know, first day, it's usually, you know, you've been flying for nine hours. So it's not going to be anything crazy. Maybe, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's some teaching. So it's not like you. I missed a ton. Okay. Missed a little bit, but it's pretty quick to pick up stuff, especially systems. I mean, we, we've we all played just about every system you can imagine in our careers. So it's just okay. a kind of rewiring of the mind. You're, you're used to one thing. You got to change and do another. But, um. Yeah, no, I got over there and and uh, I, I don't really know what I expected going over there, to be honest. I expected maybe to play a bottom six role, third or fourth line okay. and just play and have fun, enjoy playing for Team USA. And yeah, I didn't have any expectations. I didn't expect to be on the power play. I didn't expect to be on the top six role, let alone the first line. I didn't expect any of that to happen. I didn't expect literally any of this to happen. Wow. Um, obviously, I knew that it, it was, you know, if it was possible, you know, I'd be ready for the opportunity, but. It's not what I expected. So wow. uh, I went over there and I was, I was on the third line. I was like, okay, perfect. Exactly what I expected. I'm going to make the most of this. It's going to be great. And uh, I think we practiced for maybe two, two or three days in Germany. And then we played Germany in a preseason game and uh, my line did a great job, whatever. And um, was happy with it. I was like, yeah, this is, this is going to be a good line. We got some skill, we got some work. And I think this is a line that can be really good. Yeah. And you come, you fly to Finland and, you know, you practice a couple of times before the real tournament starts. And then all of a sudden the next day I come in and I got bumped from the third to the first line. And I was like, I have no idea why, but I'll take it. <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind of shocking to me. I'm not really sure. Do the coaches, like, I don't understand communication in the hockey world. Do they just do that or do they sit you down and say? They just write, they just write the lineup on the, on the whiteboard and... <clears throat> You just check for where you're at. Okay, I'm on the left wing. I'm third line. Okay, I'm left wing first. Whatever. That's don't say a word. So I yeah, I went from the third line and uh, I was third line right wing, I believe. And then I come in the next day after that that exhibition game, and I was first line left wing. So I was like, hmm, maybe I had a really good game. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't think it was like special. I thought it was good, but I thought there's a lot of I thought a lot of guys played really good. So I, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So you have a couple of practices with the first line or what? what yeah, did that we look practiced like? for a day, maybe two days, and then we played the first game. Okay. Could you tell in practice that you guys were clicking even better than that third line that you were with? Or, I mean, I mean, it's like I've known Bones, Nick Benino. Yeah. So I, know, I know him Bones for a long time. I played with him in Nashville and yeah. I just know how he plays. So that was easy for me. Um, Kind of, it's, it's almost like you, you go back to someone you're you're used to, you're accustomed with. So that was just easy. Yeah, you kind of had to refigure it out. It's been a, you know four years since we played together, or whatever. But wow, that's weird. I just I can't know believe his, it's been four years. I know. Uh, I just know his game. Uh, I know the way he plays, and and we have success. We had success together, and obviously still did. Um, so that was easy. And then just kind of learning about Tuck. Obviously, he's an elite player. I think he had like. <laughs> 30 something 36 goals and 75 points or something over a point a game in the nhl so like he's he's very high elite 
So you kind of expect, you can kind of figure out what to expect from him. You know, he's going to be making really good plays, high level plays. Yeah. Um, just a matter of kind of reading and reacting off of each other. Cause everyone plays kind of similar, but differently. Um, so you kind of figure out, you know, I'll start kind of playing with him in practice or in the games and I'll kind of be like, okay, I can see in this situation, he usually does X or in this situation, he doesn't like to do, you know, and then I kind of put myself where I need to be or take myself out of bad ice that I shouldn't be in. Um, it takes a few, I'll probably honestly probably two or three games to kind of figure it out. But wow. for us, it was pretty instantaneous that we figured it out really quick. So that was really nice. That's amazing. I I would guess like during an NHL season that it would take much more. I mean, preseason and some more games to really figure it out. So I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe it's just not. But uh, man, for you guys to figure it out that quick is pretty amazing. Uh, I mean, I, I've kind of been a rover in my career. I played everywhere from the first to the fourth line. I've kind of played every position, left, right, center. Even this year, I played every position. I was all over the place. Um, so it's easy for me to kind of adjust, mm. uh, to rewire myself. Okay, now I'm in a top six role. So now I'm going to be relied on to make more plays, to to score more or whatever. So maybe you have a little more freedom. Bottom six, okay, maybe you don't have as much freedom. So now I got to be more of a playing it smart, putting the puck deep, you know, versus making that play that might be 50-50. Well, on the first line, maybe you make that play or you try to make that play because you have that leash to, to make plays. Wow. Um, but when you're playing with two guys that are elite players like Tucky and, and Bones, it's it's easy to play with them, you know, especially when you already have chemistry with one of them from right. with them originally. Um, you guys kind of figure each other out pretty quickly, especially at this level. It doesn't really take much. Yeah. It doesn't take too much time, um, especially when, like, for good lines, it usually doesn't take much time. It's just kind of okay. – I don't know what it is. It's pretty instantaneous for the most part. Yeah. I'm not sure why that is, but that's yeah. just kind of how it goes with lines that are good from the get go. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Um, well, thinking of you and bones, that's another thing that, you know, I just learned mysteries about uh, professional sports in the NHL. I mean, you bones and was it Smitty was yep. the all American line. Yeah. Craig Smith <laughs> for the Nashville, right. Isn't that what they called y'all? In Nashville, yeah, people, yeah, yeah, a couple of people. <laughs> well, I see, I saw that around, um, and that you know that year that you guys were uh, the same line. What was that? The third line, maybe, mm-hmm. mostly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did read again, not just me, but a lot of people thought that was the best line for the Preds all throughout the season. I mean, and so to me, I'm like, <clears throat> if I'm an NHL GM, I'm like man, there's a line already ready to go. Let's just get those three guys together and see what they could do here because they did it for the Preds. But whatever, nobody's hiring me to be GM, so that's fine. Um, all right, let's uh, then talk a little bit about, and I still have other questions lingering, but, um, man, that uh, that game against Finland, that uh, I don't know how big the arena was. I don't know if it's 10,000, 15,000, but whatever it was, 99.9% Finnish fans ready for their team to beat the USA and to continue their great run. And you guys come out and uh, man, you get it done. And that assist, I want to talk about that assist um, because that was the patented Grimaldi move, right? Weren't you, I mean, 
like that normally no not quite normally what i see of that you tell me you know what i'm talking about no i know you're right it was kind of similar to to the move i i do a bit but i uh when i got the puck and i looked up and i kind of looked back i saw he was with me and there was no other there was no question in my mind that i was going to pass like it wasn't like a oh i made the move and it didn't work and now i got to I knew right. from the moment I touched the puck and looked up and saw him out of the corner of my eye, I'm going to make this move. You can tell because I didn't sell the move that hard because usually gotcha. I sell it a lot harder, but I didn't even sell it that hard. I just sold it enough to get him to come with me so I could throw it back to Tucky on the other side. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was, it was a, it actually started with a good defensive play. Like we, the five of us came back into the zone. Mm. I don't remember what happened. Stole the puck quick. Quick transition. OC threw it up to me on the on the wing. Tucky kind of disrupted both guys. I think the three of them ran into each other. That's how we had a two on zero. And then I dropped it to him, and we scored. It was a big goal. Made it three one with like I don't know nine minutes left or something. Yeah. Um, so no, that was that was pretty cool. I mean, we didn't have our families there, so we didn't have anyone rooting for us there. It was Whoa, the okay. first game of the whole tournament. Um, yeah. Winning gold medal champions in their building. Um, yeah. They went up one nothing kind of earlier on, maybe halfway through the first, and then I, I don't remember when we tied it, maybe in the second period, and then it was one one into the third, and we won four to one, and yeah. that win kind of gave us confidence um, as a team. Um, it kind of gave me confidence because obviously, you know, expecting to be bottom six, and then all of a sudden you're thrown in the first line. To me, even though I know what my capabilities are, you still kind of have these nerves, and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, don't want to mess this up, and yeah. Um, I think the game that I played and obviously the assist and stuff kind of settled me down. And then uh, going into the next game, having more success, then it really settled me down. And then all of a sudden I didn't really have those thoughts anymore, I guess. Yeah. You'd be surprised that even when you're at this level, you still question yourself sometimes or you yeah. you have doubts or wonder you don't want to, you know, make your line mates mad or do something that they don't like or whatever. Yeah. And uh, the first game settled me down and the second game kind of solidified that i you know, I can play here. I belong here. Um, and kind of just built confidence for me during the, the rest of the tournament. And then obviously built confidence for our team as well. Cause you know, when you beat people with medalists in the first game on the road, it, it's like, wow, we are a really good team. So yeah, a, a big first day for, for all of us. Besides the success, and we're going to go through more of the tournament, but besides that success, like what helps you with your mental toughness of, overcoming those thoughts that everybody I'm assuming like 99% of the top hockey players, NHL players have those same sort of things. If I mean, you you're, have to prove yourself on the ice every night. Um, so how do you, besides just having success, like mentally stay tough and, t- you know, speak to yourself like, no, I belong or what, what do you do? Honestly, for me, it's, it's having the success in the real games that gives me the most confidence. Okay. Um, being able to make those plays, um, being able to help the team have an impact on the team in a positive way, those just build confidence for me. So, I mean, being a part of the goal that puts you up by two with 10 minutes or whatever it was, yeah, it starts the confidence. It doesn't throw you up all the way and you're on yeah. a high, but it, it starts. It kind of lays the foundation like, okay, I can do this. And then the next game, you know, you – we kind of had a slow start against Hungary, a team you should beat, had a slow start. 
And then you know, our line was you know, great late in the first period, kind of regained the lead. And that kind of laid more of the foundation. And then you, know, you score the next game or whatever it is. And kind of, it just keeps laying the foundation. And yeah. then at, in the tournament, you're realizing like, wow, like this is pretty amazing. Like I would have never dreamed about this or expected this. But yeah, it's just those little confidence boosters. You know, each game, a, a good play, uh, whether yeah. it's a goal or an assist, but just a good play, a smart play defensively, getting the puck out, making a good read, having a good stick. Like just little things kind of, for me, build on top of each other. Yeah. And then when you feel the trust of the coaches or you get the tap on the back from a player or whatever it is, it's just more things that kind of lay the brickwork. And, um, you know, eventually you, you don't even need to think about the brickwork cause it's already, it's already been laid and, yeah. and you can just play and not worry about a lot of those things. You just play freely, which is kind of what you get to, but it takes some building to get to that point. Yeah. Oh man, that's good stuff. All right. Go back to that assist that you dropped for, uh, uh, for Tuck, um, you said you knew right away you were going to do that. Like you saw him somehow with your great vision, but um, why did you know you were going to do that? I mean, what was your thought process there versus some people would be like, man, I got a chance. I'm going to beat him for the goal. Why did you know you were going to drop it? I just felt that it would be a tap in. Um, obviously, if it didn't work out, I would look like a complete idiot. So I'm glad. <laughs> That would have probably laid the foundation the other way for me. So, um, I just, I don't know. I just felt like it was going to work. I don't know. You just kind of know yeah. sometimes when something's going to work. I could just feel it was going to work. Uh, I think that was good, you know, obviously for our team as a big goal. But for me personally, I think when you do something like that for your linemate or someone else, it kind of brings you two together. Mm. Uh, and then Tucky did the same thing to me in Denmark he had a breakaway on the empty net and he looked over at me, gave it to me and let me, and like when guys do things like that, where it's like, they don't need to pass that. They don't right. need to give you that goal or that empty net that tap. And right. it just kind of builds you together. Yeah. So I think that first moment kind of helped us, you know, cause we're new, we haven't played together. Right. So it kind of yeah. builds that trust with each other or that, I guess, you know, we're both going to be unselfish this whole tournament and we're going to help each other be successful. So that was kind of, like I said, laying the foundation in that respect. And then, then he repays the favor. And then all of a sudden it's like, now you guys are like a bond, right? Like, yeah, it's great to get points and do that stuff. But when it's, when it's something kind of extraordinary, like when he just pat, he gives me the puck to put in the empty net, like that's above and beyond. Right. And that makes me want to do it for him. You know what I mean? And when two guys right. want to do it for each other, instead of like, it's me yeah. versus you, as as sometimes you, you feel in, in, in our world, in sports in general, for whatever yeah. reason, line mates are playing against each other. But when you have Weird. two guys that are playing with each other and for each other, even not even just with, but for, yeah. it builds a really strong bonding connection. And um, obviously I already had that with Bones. So I knew that right. that was there, but now I need to build it with the other guy. And, right. um, and that was just, like I said, laid the foundation and the whole tournament you could see like we were yeah. trying to help each other. It wasn't about me scoring. It wasn't about bone scoring. Tucky. It wasn't about any of us scoring. It was about yeah. us together. Like yeah. being successful. And that's, that's what makes a good line is unselfishness. Wow. Well, that says something about Tuck too, after that big year for the Buffalo Sabres that he had that you referenced. I mean, that he could have come over and been like, no, I, I got to be the guy who scores all the goals or gets all the points and everything. So that says something about him as well. Yeah. hundred <clears> percent. <throat> If I was the Buffalo Sabres GM, as soon as I could talk to your agent, I might do that. Uh, you know, I mean, seeing that you guys really teamed well, um, man, uh, looks like 
that could be a lethal combination right there as well. All right, I've got all my list except for the Denmark game. I've got the the Hungry game was next, your goal and two assists. Right now I can't visualize those. Um, but one thing, and maybe you remember something, or maybe you'll choose a different goal or assist to talk about, but one thing I love about your game is how much of it does start in the defensive end in the, in your own zone. Um, it's amazing to me, like how you disrupt. And, uh, I, again, I think it's just understated. People don't understand the difference. I know your teammates understand the difference you make on defense, um, but you just see, if you look at the highlight reel, just, man, goals start because you've like tipped a puck or you've taken away a puck, whatever the case is. But I just, I love that about you. Just so well-rounded, um, on, on the entire, you know, uh, the skills that you have offensively and defensively. Do you, hungry wise, the goal or two assist, man, help me remember, was one of those like stand out to you? i um, they all were pretty similar to be honest, which was okay. nice. Uh, first goal, they were all from turnovers that we had good, hard forecheck, check relentless. And I think a lot of times people think defense just means you got to be in the defensive zone or you got to be on your side of the red line, but you can play good defense in the offensive zone too. And right. they get a quick turnover and now you're literally in the offensive zone ready to play. So that was, that was all three of our goals. First goal, um, hard on the forecheck. check, their guy made a panic play pass it to me in the middle. I had a chance to shoot, but there's a guy kind of coming towards me and I saw Tucky on my left. So I tried passing him the original pass. The guy slid and I kind of disrupted it, but it came back to me and I had to reach for it. And then I passed him. He just put it in the top corner. Nice. Um, second one, their guy tried to throw a sauce pass through the middle of the ice. Bones did a sick play where he put his stick out with one hand and batted it out of the air. And then I picked it up kind of went around, was about to go behind the net, but saw that they left Bones alone in front and I slipped him on my backhand and he just put a top corner. Uh, third goal, quick stuff at the net, was back checking. Our defenseman did a great ride and sweep and uh, kind of disrupted the guy and poked it off his stick and I was back checking. I just picked it up, turned and and shot at low gloves. So they're basically the same basically the same goal. I mean, it's different obviously, but yeah, very similar in terms of all three created from turnovers, whether that's from good sticks, from good gaps or from relentless speed. Um, yeah. And that's one way I enjoy playing and it's annoying to play against for sure. <laughs> um, but it is, it's successful. And when you can cause turnovers like that, it gets really frustrating to be the other team. Yeah. Which is awesome. Um, do you think every hockey player like can replay and recall these plays with such precise this, that as you can, or is that like just sort of a strength of yours? You know, I hear of top level athletes that you ask them about uh, and you're, you're smart, (laughs) but you ask them about a play five years ago or whatever, and they just like start recalling what was happening. Is that, is that just you or do you find that is typical of other hockey players? No, I would say it's probably, me being different there's definitely people that can do that um i don't know how you know how many would do that but obviously like you said elite people like you you hear tom brady can tell you every play he's ever made and the defense and who was where you know like that's pretty elite but uh in hockey i'm sure there's a lot of guys that can do that um i don't think there's everyone does or can or cares enough to do that yeah. Um, but I, for me, like after a game, if I have a goal or assist or something good play that I made, I'll usually save it and then I'll watch it 
Um, okay. And I'll keep watching it because for me that builds confidence knowing that one, it tells you I can, I can score at this level, I can play at this level, whatever, but it also shows me goals that I have. And maybe those are an opportunity to try that shot again or that move again or, yeah. or whatever. Um, which is, I guess, why sometimes you see a similar goal that I'll score throughout the season. It's because I know that it's working. Yeah. And if it's working, I'm going to continue to do that, which is one reason why I was frustrated after the Germany game because I had just scored a goal in the first period. It had almost a very similar look, almost identical. The defenseman was a little different in his placement. The goalie was, but very okay. similar. And I wish I would have just done it again. And, you know, maybe he saves it. Maybe it doesn't go in at all. And it doesn't matter that I missed. Yeah. But at least I would have known I'd tried it again. I don't know. Okay. So I try to watch those things to learn from them and know what's open. Because um, usually goalies play, obviously goalies are different, but they play similar uh, in a lot of aspects. You know, when when they go from playing their normal play and their positioning to when you go below the dots, now they're in post play, which is a different, they, they do different stances okay. and different things. And that's stuff that I've been learning this year with, with different coaches and things, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I know most about what happens in a play because I watch them quite a bit um, yeah. and I enjoy watching. It's fun to watch. And it's nice to have good memories, but also it helps you learn what's available for, for the next right. time. All right. Well, let's jump to two things that uh, how do you eventually when you're, you know, you talked earlier about being obsessive, which has helped you. Um, but how do you eventually move on from, OK, well, that's a learning experience next time I just do the same thing or whatever the case may be. How do you kind of now put it aside? Like, do you take a day or two or a week or just stay with you for a while like that that shot that you're talking about? Well, I mean, that that happened, and let's see, our game ended probably at 10 p.m. We had to play a game the next day at 3 p.m., so I don't, I didn't have time to take a day. Okay, um, okay, yeah. So, no, I mean, you just – you watch it that night, and you're like, that sucks, and then now you got to figure it out for the next day. I mean, okay. that's kind of the unique thing about our sport. Uh, I'd say us in basketball is so very similar because we play the same amount of games that, you know, both play 82 games. It's a lot of – yeah either three or four times a week you're playing every other day. So you don't really have time to dwell on the past. You just kind of okay. learn to forget it. Yeah. You know, you're playing football and so I would hate to play other sports like football on those because you only play one yeah. game. And then yeah. my mind would just think about that game the entire week. And if it right. was a good game, it'd be great. But if it was a bad game, it'd be terrible. <laughs> right. Right. But it's nice. And you, if you have a kind of an off day, day you know, off day in hockey, it's like, Oh, I got to play the next day where I only have one day and then I got to play. So it's, you kind of just learn that in 82 games or whatever, I played 90 games this year. You're not yeah. going to be the best player on the ice every game. You're not going to have a great game. You're not going to do what you want to do. You're not going to score every shot that you should have scored. You just kind of know that. Yeah. Even when you go through little phases too, I've learned. Um, sometimes you'll have a great start to the season. You're like, oh, you know, I'm, I got 10 goals in the first month. And then sometimes you'll have zero goals in the first month. But everything kind of evens it out if, if you – kind of stick to what, you know, with what works, things kind of even out. Some, for whatever reason, you always go through a bad streak. I don't know why. Okay. It just, it happens. Yeah. You might be playing the best hockey of your life and the puck just doesn't go in. Like I yeah. had a, I think I scored, I don't consider them goals, but two empty net goals. Um, so whatever, two goals, but I considered zero in 11 games this year um, in San wow. Diego. So I had zero goals in 11 games. And then the next 10 games, I had 10 goals. So it's just like, Things are very random in hockey. Yeah. Um, sometimes they're because of you. Sometimes they have nothing to do with you. It's just time and chance. Yeah. 
And you got to realize that you're going to go through bad stretches of no goals in 10 games. And you're going to go through good stretches of, you know, hopefully really good stretches. You have 10 goals in 10 games. But um, once I realized that a lot of these good and bad stretches are going to happen, you yeah. can't be too high or can't be too low. I can't be like, Oh, I'm going to score every game now that I've, you know, 10 and 10, or you, right. you know, you score two goals one night. It's like, Oh, I'm going to do it again this night. Cause you might not score for 10 games. Yeah. Yeah. That happened to me a few years ago. I think I had, I think it might've been maybe the year in San Antonio. I think I had a hat trick or something. Yes. And then I went like 10 games in a row with no goals. So it's like, it's just each game yeah. is its own entity. It's, it's by itself yeah. it has no correlation to the next game or the game before. Okay. And so that's how you kind of just put it behind you. Like, Oh, that was a really great game. I'm going to enjoy that. But now it's a new game. So no one cares what I did last game. Yeah. So that was a really stinky game. So for me, that's like, I'm going to make up for that game. So I would say that the crappy games are the ones that are better for me because <laughs> I want to make up for it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I remember so four or five years ago, I was in Nashville. We were playing Tampa Bay at home, went to overtime he put me out for a shift. I was shocked. I'd never played overtime. It was my first shift, and I got scored on. Stamkos to Kucherov, backdoor, lost my guy. Kucherov scores, empty that game over. And I was like, there goes my opportunity of playing overtime. And I've always loved overtime, and I'm good. In oh, overtime. yeah. Right. There's just one small two-inch window lapse of judgment, and elite players will make you pay for it. Mm. And all I did was go home and be like, obviously, that really sucks, but now i got to really make up for it the next game. You play the New Jersey Devils, had a goal and assist, plus four. We won six to four. So it's like wow. those are the games you really want to make up for. Yeah. Uh, and know that that game doesn't have an effect on this game, but it should affect me in a way that I'm going to be doubly motivated to make up for what I feel like I lost. Yeah. The game. Yeah. That's funny as you're talking, like I'm thinking of all sorts of memories because I'm like, was the San Antonio hat trick? Was that the Star Wars game? Or uh, yeah, it, it might have been, yeah, yeah, been. yeah, yeah. And then the Devils game was that when you um, uh, faked out uh, PK when he was, yeah, yeah. I tripped it by him and break yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that game. Yeah, yeah, amazing. When in your career did you realize? I mean, you've been playing hockey since you were zero years old, basically. When in your career did you realize like you can't get two up and two down? I mean. Honestly, I think it's more of a pro thing. Like you, you okay. You t- you've been told this your whole life. You've been taught it not too high, not too low, and stay even keel. It's just cliche things you've been told your whole life. Yeah. Um, but when you get to pro and you play that many games, you just you just don't have time to okay enjoy it or not enjoy it. And it's just funny because okay. people don't realize like athletes' lives in general is very up and down like how this season's yeah. going or how you're playing individually kind of dictates your mood. It yeah. kind of dictates your family's mood. <laughs> true. A lot true. of times. Um, and you could be really happy for a week or two and then have one bad game. Now it's like two days of like, you're pissed off or you're kind of yeah. like a jerk or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and people don't realize that, but it's very up and down. Like the season's so up and down. Um, but just because you're having a bad start, or you're not playing great. doesn't mean, but by, by the end of it, you're not going to be playing great and your team is going to be having success. Like it's just, it's just so random. You can have a, a month in November. That's amazing. You have the hottest month and you, you got 10 points a game and you're amazing. And then you get a few months later and you're in February and you have no points. You can't hit the net. You can't even get close to that. And it's just like, there's no correlation. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Whether that's because of, I don't know, maybe maybe you were playing against teams that weren't as good at the time, or maybe you're playing against really good teams, or maybe your line mates are sick that day, or you know, right. people don't realize that. Um, that even happened in the world. Both my line mates were sick as dogs for a couple of those games, and people don't know what? that. So it's like, 
people don't know there's a lot of ins and outs for why things do or don't happen. Wow. Uh, guys battle through sicknesses or injuries or just a lot of things on a daily and, wow. and don't make excuses for it because nobody right. cares. Right. You're, you're basically, we're paid to bring results, bring wins and be successful. And yeah. it doesn't matter what you're going through. So, wow. That's good stuff. So there was one game where bones, uh, it was a back to back. So he sat out. Was that when he was sick or I thought maybe they were just resting him just cause you know, uh, he, yeah, to... he sat out the France game, but no, he was sick as a dog the game before that. Maybe even the game before that, uh, yeah, wow. it, was, it was bad. Yeah. yeah, he was really sick, and then Tucky was sick right after that too. So yeah, and Bones, yeah, Bonesy was he battled through an injury too. He first game got hurt. I'm not gonna say what, but yeah. he battled through that too, and that was pretty impressive that he did. Because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is awesome. impressive. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, more uh, World Hockey Championship. Let's see. You got uh, after Hungary. We talked about that. Germany. USA wins 3-2. They seem to play your line, and maybe that was when people were sick or hurt, but really, I don't know, tight, or it seemed like they just focused uh, on my very limited understanding, but focused on shutting you guys down, it seemed like. I don't know. What was it like on the ice? Yeah, no, they line matched against us, not just the line, but also the deep pairing as well. They put... uh... Okay. Mo Sider, who plays for the Red Wings, he's an elite defenseman. He won not this past season, the year before he won the Rookie of the Year. Um, great young D man. He's going to be, you know, one of the best in the league for a long time. So they they matched him and then another line. Uh, I think Sturm was the centerman of that line. He plays for Sharks. He's a shutdown guy. He won the Cup last year with Colorado. So he's wow. good players that are good defensive players too, not just high offensive players. Because a lot of times it's easier to play against offensive guys. Because yeah. you're both going to be taking risks. Yeah. Um, you're both going to be kind of looking to score. But when you're playing against a strictly defensive person, it's a lot harder because they don't play much risk. They'll maybe put a puck deep instead of trying to, you know, go in a rush and score, and then they'll be sitting back. Yeah. And that's a lot harder to play against. You know, they played us tight that game, but uh, it was a good resilient win for us because we were down the whole game. And then uh, I think we tied it midway through the third and then scored on the power play with five minutes left. So that was pretty – uh. That was a pretty cool win. And we played back to back and they got a day off before. So we were definitely, we were a bit tired. You could tell we were, you could see it. But yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. And then you get a day off <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> no game the next day. And then May yeah. 17th, you play Austria uh, four to one. Uh, I've got you down for a goal where bones uh, did kind of a wraparound yep. that you finished. Can you tell yeah. us about that goal? And was he trying to pass or was he trying to shoot? You think, no, I don't think he was trying to pass. Okay. I, won't, I won't give him credit where he doesn't deserve it, but <laughs> he wouldn't take it anyways. But no, our, I think it was Mackey at the point, uh, made a made a pass down to Bones below the goal line. Bones, he came around the net, tried to make a stuff play. And uh, sometimes it works great when you don't get your stick fully, like your, your toe fully around when you're making yeah. a wrap because then it kind of throws it through instead of wrapping it to the net. Yeah. Um, so he tried to do a stuff play in it instead of hitting the net, it went through the crease and my D man started kind of filtering back to the net. And I stayed kind of near the back door and it kind of went, I think it went through two guys or something. And I was just yeah. on the back door and had to get it upstairs because the goalie's sliding. And yeah, I think I made it one nothing maybe at the time. Yeah. So it, was a, it was a big goal. Yeah. Huge. Okay. And then uh, 
let's see, there's Denmark in there that I didn't have in my notes, and that was the empty net you talked about that yeah. Tuck just very there generously. I looked back for him too. I went to give it back to him. I thought he was just getting me a, like an assist or something. And he wanted <laughs> it back, and I went to look for him, and he'd already gone to the bench. He literally went to go, like skate it off. It's like, oh, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> just gave cool. it to me and just see you later. It's all you. <laughs> that's really Pretty cool. Funny. Man, that's yeah. that is cool. I like that. All right, uh, and then May twentieth versus France. You guys obviously dominated, and you got a goal there. I don't remember um, anything particular about that goal, but you guys dominated them. Yeah. Was there anything about that goal that you? No, I was just that was uh, the one when guy shot it. It went over the net, and then the guy kind of put it back in front, and it was just about to go under the goalie, and you just kind of reached my stick underneath the quick and. And poked it in. That was a frustrating game. We won nine nothing, but that was a game where I felt like personally, like I was making a lot of good plays and doing good things, but the puck just wasn't like I said, it just one of those days it wasn't okay. going in. Like okay. I make a great pass and he wouldn't score, or they'd make a great pass to me and I wouldn't score. And it's just like Yeah. And then you'd watch other goals and it's like shoot it from <laughs> forty yards out and it's like squeezes five hole and you're like, What the heck, man? He just like gloves saved me from like point blank and then he's letting right. that squeaker th- so it's just one of those games um that was just frustrating because you're like you're doing the right things and it's not working but um that was good that we we got to win obviously right right all right so then a couple of days off right i think uh no maybe denmark is before france that. okay well may 23rd this is uh i mean the biggest game uh, the prelims at once you bumped off uh, Finland versus Sweden, this is going to be for first place yeah. in the group going to determine the bracket. Um, and uh, you have a huge assist. I mean, any, any point in that game's huge. Remind me of that one. Cause in my head, I might have the wrong one, but I felt like you kind of skated in deked around one or two guys um, to get that assist. What do you remember? Maybe I'm not even thinking of the right goal. I know you're thinking of Germany, but that was uh, it was on a power play. I was on the the left wall and okay. kind of walked it into the dot and then slipped it to the goal line guy. And he went through his legs. Nice play, made the shot. And there's an easy rebound, and our our middleman jumped behind the D and put the puck in the net. Or maybe okay. RP did a if it was a, I think he went through the legs and shot it, and then it was a rebound. But um, yeah, it was like a quick quick play and big goal for especially our power play too because we're the second unit. So it's always nice when the second unit can. Yeah. 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 Very nice. All right. All right. So that's huge. Now you go into the knockout phase and you play uh, the Czech team and big win there. You've got an assist. I don't remember what that assist looked like. Do you? It was off a face off. Yeah. It was like a kind of a loose puck and I just jumped through and tapped it back to our D and he put a nice sifter to the net and it went top corner with a nice little shot right through all, all the bodies. The goalie probably couldn't pick it up and just went right over the shoulder. Yep, that's right. I remember it now because you're going on the TV screen right to left. Seems like a lot of the highlights I remember on the TV screen, you're going left to right of this tournament. But uh, all right, so uh, then you you go uh, Germany. Man, huge game for you. Unfortunately, like you said, overtime. Quick another parentheses question. You talked about in – so I'm guessing like in tournament play, you're not going to want the three V three, but during regular season, AHL or NHL, I mean, that should be of benefit to you. You don't mind those kind of three, three V threes, right? No, it's, it's fine. I mean, 
do that in the round robin. That's great. Right. We want to play all night in the round robin, especially you got back to backs and stuff. But right. Um, regular season is fine, but yeah. guarantee if you ask most guys, would you want to win the Stanley Cup in a shootout? Like, right. yeah, sure, you'll take it, right. but that's not the way you want to win. You want to win normal five on five, yeah. normal hockey. That's, yeah. I mean, big tournaments, big games, like they should be, I don't know, normal. What, right. What the typical game would be, I think. That's just right. my own viewpoint. Maybe you don't want it to be continuous so the game doesn't go online. That's fine. But at least maybe give you one 20 minute period of five on five, and then you can do your shootout yeah. or whatever you want to expedite things. But yeah. Well, to me, that is, yeah, mine, mine too. Um, just thinking back in my watching, you know, I watch a lot more hockey since I got to know you. I mean, hockey's the sport I watch most by far. Um, but back when I was just more of a casual, like, oh, the Stanley Cup is going or whatever. I mean, years ago, I can remember just a game that I can't remember if it was a game seven or just a game that went for so many extra periods in uh, the playoffs. And it's just incredible to me. And I love all sports, but there's no other exciting finish than, I mean, sudden death, but it just goes on until it stops and it's just over. And I, I just can't think of a better moment in sports and I love a lot of sports, but that's it for me. So um, yeah, it's a shame that you guys didn't, you know, get a chance in uh, the semis and then in the third place game to, to do that. But you had a big, again, I mean, they're all big, uh, big goal and big assist. Um, I love both of those. The assist that, um, you know, that I was confusing earlier looked to me like you drew in four, I think, I think I'm correct. Four Germans kind of came on you that set up the goal. Talk us through that assist. I just, I got the puck before a red line and um, just kind of brought it to the middle of the ice. And like you said, when you're in the middle of the ice, it just brings bodies to you. Uh, OC had just gotten off the bench. So he was busting down the left wing on a head full of steam. And I slipped it through the one guy to him. And then he made a really great pass all the way through back door to Tucky. It was a great pass. And yeah. Tucky just put in the empty net. So it was yeah. overall a nice play. Yeah, nice. All right. And talk to us about that that goal. Uh, that was a lot of fun too, man. Yeah, it was a bad turnover and a bad change by them. Um, guy threw one kind of through the middle, soft. And Tucky just picked it off and kind of just threw it in front of me to lead me. And their D had changed. So it kind of was a bad turnover and then and a bad change okay. at the same time so they both kind of worked out yeah for me uh and then went in and just kind of took a slap shot from the now just about the tops of circles or something and right um, yeah you're up two nothing three minutes into the game and things are going great and then all of a sudden things start going not so great so that was that's <laughs> oh, that's man. even more frustrating when you lost that right. game after that start right when you're right. like wow this is the like you make that right. three nothing like to be quite honest we make that three nothing that game's over mm. Like we score yeah. another goal in that first period. That game is literally going to be over 10 minutes into the game. Like seriously. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause they're going to start feeling like we can't play with this team. They're going to start doubting themselves and we're going to start feeling good. Yeah. Um, but then when you make it two one belief comes back, things change. Yeah. So unfortunate. Man, you have a mental understanding of this game. Um, it amazes me that if, you know, if you decide eventually to get into coaching, I think you would be an elite 
elite uh, level coach if you, you know, if you choose to decide it. But I remember a couple of years ago um, watching the Stanley Cup and uh, and it was when Jordan Bennington and the Blues won. And I remember you just saying, you know, I'm, I'm watching because I'm cheering for Bennington and the Blues and I'm like stressed out. I think the Blues were up maybe three zero. And I think you may have texted. I'm, I don't even remember if it was after the game or during the game, but you're like, oh, it's over, you know, and here I am as a fan watching and it's like in Boston and I'm like, it, it's not over. It's not, uh, you know, and you're like, oh, you could tell. And you were like saying it way back in the first period, you just, you just knew, which amazes me. Um, one other thing that amazes me before we talk about your approach in the Latvia game and scoring two goals and wind up with, uh, you know, leading the world, uh, world championship for points is it also amazes me about you just looking back on your career. And when I look um, at, at your time with the Preds, when you had that really big year on that all American line or whatever, um, and what you did in the playoffs against the stars and everything. And then I think the next year maybe is when you, you know, scored the, well, maybe is that year? No, no, it had to be the next year, uh, scored the four goals or whenever it was to me, what amazes me about you is like, this guy is an elite hockey player and there's, you know, he's going to continue to be elite, like at this level, like he's, just going to continue to do that. What amazes me is, you know, this year and a year that a lot of us maybe would have been really frustrated, you know, you're playing for San Diego, a team that struggled um, this year. And yet you are, are actually improving and getting better. And that amazes me. I don't know if you want to talk about um, if you mind talking about some of the, uh, you know, I got to meet with you in San Diego a couple times this year and, and just the joy it brought me seeing you talk about what you were working on and, and learning where I just feel like most players would be like, here I am. I'm one of the best, you know, in the world. I'm, I'm good at my craft and that's it. But you just keep like searching, like, no, I'm going to get better. Can you just talk to us about that? Yeah. I mean, I have definitely had points in my career where I've moped around or, you know, <laughs> haven't loved playing and maybe didn't even want to play anymore at, at times. And you've been yeah. around for some of the lows. Sure. Um, but I just think that I've given too much to this game. I just, I put in too much time. I put in too much effort. My parents have put in too much time and effort. My wife's been through too much with me mm. in pro. Mm. There's just been a lot of people that have given me too much coaches, friends, just people, friends, mm. people that are supporting me to just kind of quit and kind of just have a bad attitude and be done or just be like, yep, yeah, that's my plateau. That's as good as I'll get. Yeah. I just think that if you're going to be able to do this for a living, which is an, it's, it's awesome. You get to play a game for a living. Like it's, you have to do something that you love. A lot of people don't go to work thinking I love my job, but yeah, I love it. Like, it's great. I love hockey. Always yeah. have always will. Yeah. And so if I'm going to be able to be blessed in a way that I can do something that I love every single day, then why would you not give everything you are to it? And like I said earlier, kind of be obsessed with it. Yeah. Um, so I just feel like I'm 30 and for some people that's old, like in sports world, when you get to 30 ish, it's like, you're old, but like, I feel better now than when I was 20. Um, like, I wish there's a lot of things about me now on and off the ice that were when I was 20. Like, I just wish there's a lot of bits about me now, but that's just, that's growth, right? That's life. You learn, you grow, you develop, you right. Become, hopefully become better as a person, as a player. Yeah. 
um, was fortunate enough to be put in contact with a guy and um, we would watch every game that I played. I think I started meeting with him in February. I was literally, I went through that 10 game skid and then I met with him and I started a 10 game, I guess 10 game heater, if you want yeah. to call it that. Yeah. Um, not saying it was all him or not, but definitely a lot. I, I credit him for some of that. Um, just watching video with him, um, having him show me things that I may not have picked up on my own. Cause sometimes I'm thinking about one thing and he's thinking about another and he'll be asking me, well, in this situation, what were you seeing? What were you thinking? Yeah. Um, and it's just good to have someone like that to kind of give you a new perspective, a fresh perspective, someone who knows more about goalies, their style of play and when they're going to be in the butterfly, when they're going to be standing up, when they're going to be whatever, how yeah. he teaches defensemen to play rushes so that I know that in these situations, a defenseman is going to do this or not. Um, as much as the game is reading and reacting, there is a lot of being prepared uh, before a game, knowing who you're playing against, what their tendencies are. So like, for example, I've played with a lot of guys and now when I play against them, I know their tendencies. I know if he likes to make this move in this situation, I know that he likes this shot. I know what his breakaway move is. I know. So you just kind of know these things and yeah, maybe they won't do that every time, but for the most part, it's a pretty common staple in their game. And I have those staples too. Like we all have them, but sure. you don't study those. You won't learn and get better. Um, and this guy just kind of helped me to learn some of the things that guys are trying to do against me, how I can be more successful, how I can open up space for myself, how I can open up space for those on the ice with me, draw two guys to me, kick it out. Now he's got no one on him. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's been uh it's been really great, honestly, and I'm excited to keep working with this guy. And uh, he, I think he's going to – I haven't met him in person, which is kind of funny. I've just Zoomed with him every week yeah. to watch the games. And um, he'll be coming out here this summer and getting on the ice with me in person. And what? Showing me some stuff. And, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be rewarding for sure. Yeah, I got a lot of people like that I can work with, which is great. Wow, that's really cool. Okay. All right. I want to come back to that obsessive thing, but I also just want to ask you for a freebie when you talk about, you know, things that you would change or wish you could change or that you've grown or learned since you were 20. What's one thing you can share with us that, oh man, I wish, you know, or now I'm doing this. What's, what's different? I wish I would have known what the process was going to be before I got here better. Um, I think when I signed, you just kind of assume like you're going to play in the NHL. You don't even think about the minors. You don't think about anything but like playing the NHL. Like that's the goal. Yeah. Um, I wish I would have been more prepared thinking, hey, you're going to play in the minors, whether that's for a month, a year, or two years, whatever. But that doesn't mean you're going to play there forever. Um, mm. But when I first got there, it almost felt like I'm not good enough to play in the NHL and that's why I'm here. But sometimes that's not really what the case is. That's not why. Sometimes there's – contract issues there's body mm. count issues there's too many people there's there's just a lot of things that can go into it yeah uh, maybe they want you to play top six minutes in the minors instead of fourth line minutes in the nhl for the year just to make you play more and build more confidence there's just a lot of things that i i guess i didn't think about it was more like a wow this is I, i'm not good enough to play in the nhl that's why i'm here instead of like this can be used as a good opportunity and so i think my first few years i didn't Obviously, I gave it everything I had, and I worked hard and tried to get right. better. But I think attitude-wise or mentally, I don't think I was exactly what I wish I was. And then you look at me now, after playing four years in the NHL or whatever, and then being in the minors, you know, almost you think it would be opposite, where it's like, oh, I've been there and I've done that. Why do I need to prove it again or keep doing it? But I just know now that 
it just matters what you do with that day, that year. Mm. Like it doesn't matter what you did four or five years ago. It doesn't matter mm. how many games you played years ago. It doesn't matter your experience. It just matters what you're doing now. Mm. And if I want to be a role model to, I mean, to a lot of people, but just in general, to like my kids one day, I can't look them in the eyes and be like, yeah, your dad at 29, 30 years old, just kind of packed it in and said, that's enough. Yeah. Oh, he actually continued to get better, continued to strive to, to work harder, to figure things out better on the ice to obviously to be a better person. Um, But I just feel like if I want to look them in the eyes when they're going through tough times, when they're older or whatever, um, I have to have gone through them the right way first. Um, I feel like it's when someone's trying to give me advice, if they haven't been through something and yeah. gotten through it, then their advice doesn't mean as much to me because I don't have the experience to talk. Yeah. And I've obviously had a lot of downs in my career, definitely more downs and ups, I would say. And now it's about how, how do I handle those downs? How do I grow from those downs? How does my attitude develop from those downs so that now I can be, my platform is more reachable to a lot of people. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not LeBron James who just, everything is just great and perfect because you're special. Like you're a special athlete. You know, I've had to work and grind and do a lot of things that, you know, some guys like that never will. Yeah. And that just makes it easier to talk to people because most people are like that. They're not in the 0.001% right. of being special. They're That's like right. you and me, they got to grind. So Right. I think that makes my testimony stronger and makes me more relatable to people. Yeah. Oh man. Some good stuff, man. I love it. That is awesome. Rocco. All right. I'm still going to come back to the obsessive thing and your, your faith. Um, and maybe we don't have time to talk today about all that uh, God has been really teaching you and, and your hunger, your obsession with, getting better at this game and enjoying this game, but also like staying on track with God and not just staying on track with God, but your education. So we might have to come back and do that uh, another time pretty soon. If you're up for it, got to keep you at number one on the very bold radio and podcast. Um, yeah, I think, I think if we can plan to do that and maybe, um, maybe later in the summer, but anyway, we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, still want to hold on to the obsessive thing and want to ask you about then going into Latvia. Like you said, you played Germany um, late at night and then the next day you're playing early against Latvia. Um, and you've the team has just lost. Hard to imagine that the team, whereas Latvia is now playing for a bronze medal, they've never medaled. I don't think, I don't even think they've ever made it that far, maybe in the world's. Um, and was that in Latvia? Like they never talked about on TV or was that in Finland that you guys played them? We were in Finland the whole time. Okay. All right. Their fans traveled. Yeah, they did. So I just, I literally thought, oh man, they made the USA fly to Latvia. But, um, so they're playing for everything and you guys as a team, I'm imagining it would be hard to come back that soon after a disappointing, disappointing loss and uh, get up for that game, but it's still a great game. What can you tell us about that game? You wind up with two goals, which clinches you being the, uh, eventually clinches you being the leading scorer for the worlds. What can you tell us about that game? Those, that second goal, whatever we talked about a little bit before. I mean, that game was hard to get up for. I mean, you, you go to that tournament for one reason, that's to win. Um, you know, some people can celebrate silvers and bronzes and whatever. Personally, that I, I, I don't. I okay. Mean, yeah, I have silver and bronze medals from 
whatever back in the day when I was a kid and roller hockey tournaments and stuff, you have them, but yeah, they're tucked kind of in the back, you know, they're not yeah. on display. I don't know. I just, it's great if people are, you know, celebrating, you know, second, third place. That's awesome. If that's the best you've ever done and whatever. But for me, it's just, it's hard. It's hard to get up for those games uh, as a team because we were so disappointed yeah. and like we came there for one reason and getting third place or fourth place or second place, it still doesn't matter. Second place or 10th place. It's not first place. Yeah. Um, so that was hard for us because we were so heartbroken. It's 11 PM. The game's done. And then you got like 12 hours and you got to play this game against a team who was playing like it was for the gold medal. Um, right. So it was just hard for us to match that and in, that intensity. And obviously like, you know, me, like whether we're playing a ping pong game in, in my garage or something like, right. I'm going to do everything I can to win. It doesn't matter that it's for first or 12th place. Like I'm, I don't care. I'm going to try to win. Right. But it's just different. You know, it's, it's, it's hard. When you, especially when you have a heartbreak, like yeah. an overtime loss, a shocking loss. They score the minute left to tie it. And, and you're just yeah. like, I want to crawl into a hole and be gone. And now yeah. you got to get up for another game. And um, for me, I just like, it's, it's hard, but I knew that there's something, there's always something to play for. Mm. There always, there's just always is. Um, yeah. And for me, it's not like, you know, I was playing cause I wanted to get third place, you know, third, fourth place to me is the same, but I wanted to win. Obviously you want to win yeah. every game. It doesn't matter what you're playing for. Um, but I, there's just, there's, I think sometimes people look for guys who respond when the situation is bad. They kind of look for them and things don't go your way or aren't going your way. Like what's the response for whatever reason in hockey, that's teams and people look for players who respond uh, to negative things. And that was a very negative thing, losing the way we did and eight, no. And then you, you lose with, you know, a minute left and then an overtime. And I think people look at the response. And for me, I knew I had to put that behind me and we had another game. I had one game left. I got to play one more hockey game for my whole season, game 90 or whatever. And yeah. uh, might as well use it as an opportunity to play with that Team USA jersey on one more time because, like I said, it's been 10 years. So maybe it'll be 10 years again and maybe it'll never happen again. Yeah. Why would you not at least give it everything you have potentially playing your last game with that jersey on? So even though it was hard to get up for that game because you basically you felt like your tournament was over. And this yeah. is just like a consolation game for no reason. Right. Um, there's always something to play for. And you really look at it and, and think about it and kind of, you know, peel back the layers of what you're playing for. So um, at the end of the day, we didn't, you know, once again, we lost in the three on three overtime. Right. Um, but like I said, it was, it's hard when you have one team who's playing for everything and one team who's just, you know, playing. Obviously, we wanted to win, of course. I'm right. not saying anyone was not. Right. But mentally, you could just tell. I mean, they had. 16,000 fans we had 25 like it was right it was the loudest game of the tournament wow um, and of every wow. game that we played it was the game that probably mattered the, you know the least essentially because every game you're right. playing in the round robin you're if we didn't win any of those games we wouldn't have gotten first in the right in the division or whatever so uh it's just funny because you just see the difference in the, in the teams you know even when when we scored, it was like we were excited, but it wasn't the level of excitement that they had. It was, yeah. and that's tough when you're playing against someone with that kind of passion. When you guys are are still heartbroken about something, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's tough. And I mean, we we battled and we did everything we could, and obviously didn't have some bounces go away or calls or whatever. But um, the guys played their hearts out and just a fluky bounce in overtime, and and that was right. it. Right. Wow. All right. Uh, so, what was your other goal in that game? 
I know. I mean, she had the one timer on the power play. What was the other goal? I just came off the bench and, and Scotty made a, a nice pass and I kind of walked it and kind of kept going left to right and waited for an opening and then shot it kind of back against the green. Okay. Like a okay. wrist shot. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, so then for you, like, man, heartbroken from the night before and you score those two goals that put you individually in you know this stratosphere of only four usa players one of four that have ever led the world hockey championship in points what is that like for you i mean like i mean that's a that's a big personal accomplishment but now you've just come off you know two hard losses or whatever yeah i did did not know that at the time for sure okay I had no idea about the fourth person in U.S. history. I had no clue. I'm pretty surprised by that. Yeah. Um, pretty cool. Anytime your name is mentioned with Patrick Kane. So yeah, uh, it's definitely extremely special. Um, it's a cool accomplishment, but the accomplishment that we wanted was they haven't won a gold medal since 1933. Mm. Hadn't won a silver since I think it was 1950. Okay. Um, so, I mean, you win – that Germany game, you at least solidify something that had never been done in 73 years. Right. At least getting a silver medal, which like I said earlier, silver or bronze or whatever, it's still not, you don't accomplish right. the goal. It doesn't matter. Um, but that would have been really cool to be a part of the first team to win. And, and I think it was yeah, exactly 90 years. Wow. So that that's something that's like you, you look back on and it's like, man, that's like, we just missed history mm. that so cool to be the basically the only team because no one even knows who was on the team in 1933 i couldn't right. name one player i guarantee nobody could probably right um, so that would have been really special to be able to to do that with with the group of guys we had it was a really nice group of guys was, everyone was super close and super cool. selfless and that's nice yeah it's just it's frustrating that we lost the way we did and obviously it would have been nice to come home with something and not nothing but like i said at the end of the day we didn't come home with the, the only metal that mattered and um it's tough like i said again it's tough to have heartbreak and then 12 hours later have to refocus that's that's a little that's a different level of heartbreak than what i've described with oh i didn't have a great game now i gotta figure out the next game that's basically like i just lost and have no chance of winning the stanley cup and now they're making me play another game it's a a different level and i thought we did a good job of turning the page but you're never going to fully turn the page because mentally you know that what you just lost the night before is, yeah. is over. You can never do it. You can never win it again. You can't get it back. Yeah. And that's always hard. And people don't realize that. Right. All yeah. right. Um, yeah. Any, did you have anything else? Sorry. Kind of cut you off there. No, no, no. That's it. Okay. Um, all right. We'll kind of turn the page unless you have anything else to talk about for the tournament and just, um, just finish with this. Um, you talked about obsessing, you know, for hockey and I know that, you know, you also said, you know, there's other things uh, more important to you. I know your faith and your family is more important, but I actually like, and maybe not everybody would agree with this, but I, I like that you feel obsessive about hockey because I believe sometimes Christians, right or wrong, get sort of a rap of they don't care enough. Um, I've seen that across sports of like, you know, or whatever they put as soft or not as competitive or just doesn't mean as much. And so I really appreciate that, you know, um, 
it, you, it means a lot to you. So I don't know if you, I don't have a question, if you have any comment on that, but I've seen that um, kind of rap on Christian. So I, I love that. That's not you. No, that's an interesting thing to to think about. But no, I just I mean, you look at the Bible and they were called to not just have this walk with God, but they were called to do great things with the role that they were given. Yeah. I mean, that starts all the way from the very beginning, right? Like Adam was given the task to tend the garden, to name the True. animal, tend the garden, be in, in charge. God basically said, here, be in charge of the earth. It's a big job. And obviously, if it didn't matter, <laughs> he, wouldn't have given, he wouldn't have given him that job. Moses was commanded to be an, you know, an excellent leader. Right. David, an excellent leader, an excellent warrior. Jesus talks about the talents numerous times. Um, right. Ten talents, five, one talent. And, you know, I take that in, in terms of just what I've been given, right? And he, he also says, I know Spider-Man gets the credit, but Jesus said at first about to whom much is given, much is expected. So uh, I know personally that I've been given much. You know, I've been given a talent for this game and skill set for this game and a hunger and a passion. And I think yeah. hard work is also something you're given. Like every, anyone can work hard, but some yeah. people, you know, God has instilled hard work. And thankfully I have that instilled hard work in me. Um, so why would I not give it everything I have to, to glorify God with what he's given me? So at the end of the day, it's all about glorifying him. And if I'm not yeah. using everything he's given me, then I'm not really glorifying him because I'm not fully using the talents he's, he's blessed me with. That is so good. That is so good. Oh my gosh. All right. Um, well, give us just a real quick summary, which will set up for if we're able to, if you're able to talk later in the summer, I will be, but um, just uh, about what you're doing with your education. Give us a quick summary, a tease, so we can talk about that more down the road. Yeah, I'm working on my master's right now in Christian apologetics. Uh, started at uh, March of 22, I believe. So about just okay. over a year ago, uh, it's a two year program, but I'm going to take more than two years. Cause it's just, it's a, it's a lot, especially yeah. when you're playing games and stuff. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I'll probably finish in 25, I believe. I can't remember. We schedule it out. I can't remember if it's fall or spring, but I'll be done in 25. Um, yeah, it's been awesome. It's been really rewarding. Um, grown a lot in a lot of areas, learned a lot of new things. Have yeah. Kind of just like I said earlier, building the foundation, continue to lay kind of stone upon stone, brick upon brick. And um, just like I do in the hockey world, that's what we have to do in our faith too. We're, we're called to, to grow and to yeah. you know, chase, you know, chase after God, get to know him better, uh, learn who he is more and more each day and um, be able to defend our faith, especially in our, our culture today, which is, yeah. seems to be very, ungodlike you know it doesn't right. seem like god's a very big part of the equation anymore he's kind of getting pushed aside and right. people have more questions so we are we need to have more answers uh yeah and that's one thing that agrees helping me learn well cool well i'm glad you're going through that even though i have my masters of divinity from many decades ago um anytime we get to sit down and talk i'm learning something from you that you're learning or whether i'm reading one of your papers so i'm benefiting from your education please don't bill me for that but uh i really <laughs> i really appreciate it and i'm just man uh, i'm just so proud of who you are i'm honored truly honored to be in your corner and abby's corner um just cheering you all on and praying you on and getting to just enjoy what god is doing in your life and watching 
the story continued to unfold. And um, at the end of the day, I know ultimately your story is going to be incredible no matter what, because God is going to use you and has used you in mighty ways. Even go back to that first interview we did in, I guess, 2016, I guess. Um, you know, you talking about going to hockey camps and whoever your roommate was would get saved just because you're talking about Jesus and just seeing God continue to use you. And now with this hunger and thirst to grow and apologetics and everything you just said, it's just going to be awesome to see that what that lane looks like. It's going to be awesome to see what this hockey story continues to um, unfold. I easily still uh, picture you. I mean, I can do it right now. I, I couldn't tell you the uniform, <laughs> but picture you, you know, hoisting the Stanley Cup and giving a sweet little kiss to it. Um, and obviously that's that's going to be God and you and the right opportunity, just any opportunity that you get. But I easily picture that and um, I can't wait to see what team, if that is a part of God's plan, that that happens. But any NHL team would be... Um, I'll just, I'll put it, I'll leave it positive, very smart to uh, sign you and let you do what you do and let you compete. One last thing just about your hockey, but I also see it um, just in your faith and in your life. You know, the one thing I can, I can see, and I'm trying to think if it's easier in person or if I, I can see it on TV too, just, but in person, it's a little bit easier to see that you elevate the effort like of your team around you. Like I can see that you elevate, you know, obviously it's obvious you make your teammates around you better because you're a team first kind of guy. And you're such, you have such vision and mental awareness of the game. But um, I have seen time and time again, just like you play so hard, you can tell like other players, like try to rise up, you know, to, to be at that level of effort. It's amazing. So, um, and I see that will carry over in everything you do with what you're learning about your faith and apologetics. Um, it's already sharpened me. It's going to sharpen many others. So I'm excited to see what that is. So um, I'm not going to make a big, that was my big long spiel. So I'm going to close off with the scripture that I think Rocco lives every day. And I try to live um, every day, but I think I fall short of what Rocco's doing, but that's okay uh, for now. Uh, it's the Apostle Paul. It's why we're called Very Bold Ministries, Very Bold Radio and Podcast, Very Bold This, Very Bold That. It's just remembering what God has done first and who he is and his love and his power. So the Apostle Paul, he said it way better than me, way better than Spider-Man even, uh, however he might say it. He said it this way, 2 Corinthians 3.12, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.